Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Survivor fans, we are not just surviving, we are thriving with the power of nutrition. Let's talk about wonderful pistachios, a snack that's not only delicious, but also a protein powerhouse. When I was on that island, I would give anything for a snack to keep my energy levels up. Well, did you know wonderful pistachios are one of the highest protein nuts out there? Each one ounce serving gives you six grams of protein, delivering over 10% of your daily value. Whether you're a hardcore survivor or just need a boost during your day, wonderful pistachios are the perfect personal protein stash ready to go whenever hunger strikes. So whether you're cracking open each nut one by one or enjoying the convenience of no shells, wonderful pistachios has got you covered. Outwit, outplay, outsnack with wonderful pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Welcome to episode two of On Fire with Jeff Probst. That's me. This is the only podcast that takes you inside the making of Survivor from the people who make Survivor. I'm the host and showrunner of Survivor, and I'm joined by two other television producers, Brittany Crapper, who is a supervising producer on Survivor. Hello again. And Jay Wolf, who doesn't work on Survivor, but is an Emmy-nominated producer and also the producer of this podcast. Hey, hey. So here's what we do. Each week, we use the latest episode of Survivor 44 as a jumping-off point to take you behind the scenes into how we make this show and why we do the things we do on the show. Today, our featured topic is we're going to go inside the world of idols and advantages. Why do we have them? How do we come up with them? And if you're a player, how best to use them? And surprise for you two. This I isn't in the rundown. I know. I prepared a little <laughs> something for real. I'm, this is, I think, going to be fun. I'm going to share a couple of stories of failed advantages, because they don't all work, that we've never talked about. These are advantages that played on the show. They are in the episodes, but they were never discovered by any player, which means the audience doesn't know either. Oh, I'm, this is I'm great. Mean, yeah, I don't care how big a super fan you are. You couldn't know this because we've never talked about it. So I think that's going to be fun. Plus, we're going to answer your questions, and one lucky person gets to tell me why <laughs> I suck. Can't wait. All right, let's take a moment and go inside episode two of Survivor 44. There was a lot of gameplay for us still being early. And I just have to say it again, this is a fun and funny group of players that I oh, really yeah. enjoy. I love these guys. I have to say, 
first and foremost, I am thrilled to have a showman's back on our hands. Uh, it has been far too long. And so I'm good. really just hoping and praying for Matt and Franny to make it. You know, I do too. And, and I'm not invested <laughs> in their romance, but they just seem oh, like I am. they get along. <laughs> and you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to I, I get invited to that wedding. Another player I absolutely adore is Danny. And I have to say, I had this feeling when he found the idol, he held it up to camera and he said, it feels just as good as it looks. And his tone of voice and something in his eye made me think, is this baby Tony? Really? Mm. I don't know, but it feels to me like Danny's going to start climbing trees and building spy shacks. You know what's really (laughs) interesting to hear your perspective on things like this is that that is one of the things we're endeavoring to do quickly is to take you inside who these people are so that you can do exactly what you're doing, which is start to anticipate what they might do or notice their you know, idiosyncrasies or the nuances in their personality. Right. right. And connect with them. Well, speaking of idiosyncrasies and connecting with people in episode one, I did not know what to do with Carolyn. I mean, she's dancing around, she's rolling her eyes. And in this episode, I was able to connect with her in a huge way Mm. when I learned that she is the sort of mom who would dig in her child's poop to find a tooth to hide it for the tooth fairy. And that is a good mom. That is, and it it really brings up the number one thing. In fact, next week, we're going to deep dive into casting and we'll talk about this. But the number one thing we look for in a player is authenticity. And Carolyn embodies that authenticity. Right. She's not afraid to tell you, you know, who she is and where she comes from and roll all over the sand and gesticulate and rub a rock on her face. She just is authentically (laughs) her. And it's fascinating. And one of the things I've really been reminded of in the last several years is on Survivor, you get real people. They are not Instagram versions of themselves. They're very vulnerable out there. This is tough. You're, you're stripped of all your creature comforts. You're surviving every day on very little food. You're sleeping in the rain on bamboo with people you can't trust, but you have to trust. And here's Carolyn courageous enough to let us watch. And that poop story tells you She's a caring mom. She may be wacky, but she's caring, as you said. How do you decide when a player gets a backstory like that in terms of the storytelling? That's a good question. And there are new, you know, that's something in the new era. We certainly didn't invent the idea of backstories, but we had never really done them. And then I remember the producers, all of us talking about Mm -hmm. if the audience could understand and know the players as deeply as we do, it would help. Right. Because at this point, we've spent so much time with them in casting that we really do love them and we're invested in them. And if we can give the audience the opportunity to feel that same way, then, you know, they can be that much more connected to the show. If you go back to season 43, the fact that you now know Jesse's story and where he comes from, and you know Cody's story and what he's about. Now you're set up so that when the opportunity came for Jesse to betray Cody, you know why Jesse would do that, and you know why Cody wouldn't see it coming. That's because you took the ride with them, and you can anticipate their behavior, and you could probably also guess that Cody would ultimately be okay with it, and they would make amends and still be friends. I think it's worth mentioning, too, that it's not just when we tell the backstory, but how we tell the story. That's a great point. Let's use Carolyn's backstory and show how we told her story. There's a set of facts that you're going to learn about, Carolyn, but let's look at the order that we showed them to you. The first impression you get out of the gate in episode one, the very first thing is Carolyn, and you think, oh, she's wacky. This is going to be interesting. 
Then you learn in this episode, oh, she's a dedicated mom. She'll go through the poop to find that baby's tooth. So now your impression of her is starting to change. She's wacky, but she's dedicated. So now you're starting to root for her. As you just mentioned, Jay, mm -hmm. she's growing on you. Then when she finds the key and she gets the idol out of the cage, you celebrate her. But imagine if you had flipped those scenes. She found the key first, then she was a dedicated mom, and then you find out she's wacky. It doesn't have the same emotional impact. So to Brittany's point, it's the same set of facts in both scenarios, but the how and the order matters a lot in terms of your investment in the person. Right. Totally. And when she went back to the camp and hadn't yet hidden back the package, I was there rooting for her, yelling, <laughs> Carolyn, go hide it. Go back. And a part of you is going, can she? Yeah. I mean, she's so wacky. Yeah. So all of those things combined for a really emotional connection where you are on the edge of your seat. Absolutely. Well, while we're on backstory, I had another question because later I saw the origin story from Carson and I thought to myself, oh man, I really love Carson. I don't want him to go home in this episode. Oh, we get that all the time. Everyone thinks that we do that, but it, it has nothing to do with that. Like we're just trying to tell the best story at the best time. It's not like we don't do, we get the winner, winner's edit too. Yeah. There's it's, no such yeah. thing as winner's edit. And I, I mean, I've, I've run into people on the street who tell me they've already heard actually that there is. And I say, okay, I know, but I work on the show and I'm telling you there isn't. We, I don't even know what a winner's edit is. I understand it conceptually, but all we're doing on Survivor is you have this arcing story of all these people that spans 13 episodes. And each week you're telling a single story about that part of the journey. That's really it. Mm -hmm. We're clearly aware who wins when we start editing, but we don't give them a winner's edit. You hear that, Internet? No winner's edit. And by Internet, you mean Reddit. <laughs> That's who I mean. Okay. <laughs> the last thing about this episode was that the cage paid off in such a huge way. Well, you brought it up in episode one, and you asked a really good question. Why make it public? And we talked about the fact that the reason we made it public was to force a decision. How are you going to handle this thing that's in the middle of your camp? And the result was the most unexpected things happened. You had a public idol in a cage, in the middle of camp, and two players were still able to pull off the impossible and find it alone, which led to both players deciding to keep it a secret. So now you have story. You could have never predicted that, that outcome, but that's what we mean about our ideas for idols and advantages. We don't think that they're right. They're just ideas that are gonna turn story. And that's what we're gonna talk about today in our deep dive, the how and the why behind idols and advantages. This is On Fire with Jeff Probst. We'll be right back. Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. 
Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Listen, wearing the same clothes for 26 days straight on Survivor really made me realize the importance of buying high-quality, long-lasting clothes. That's why I love Quince. They have timeless, well-made pieces that last for years and don't go out of style. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. Buying pieces from Quince means that I don't have to keep buying new clothes every year which is better for my wallet and the environment. I recently got a super chic Italian leather tote from Quince and I'm loving how it looks. The best part about Quince is that by partnering directly with top factories, they're able to keep prices super affordable. I'm talking 50 to 80% cheaper than similar brands. And the other best part is that Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I love that. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com survivor for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash survivor to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com survivor. Welcome back to On Fire with Jeff Probst. Today's featured topic is idols and advantages. We'll look at the history, we'll look at the how, we'll look at the why. Well, let's go back then and talk to me about the very first idol. How did that happen? (laughs) Well, the very first idol, okay, this is what I recall from so many years ago, is it would have gone something like this. Mark Burnett was then very active in the show. He was on location, and he probably said, oh, all right, we, 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 need, we need to do something. We need to, oh, I've got it. Put an idol, one of those idols, just put it in a tree somewhere, and then someone will find it. It'll be brilliant. They'll look up, they'll look down, they'll look all over, and then they'll find it, and, and then another person will be safe. So that's what we did. We put an idol into the game. The problem was we didn't have any intention behind it. We did not know why we were doing it because we were so early in the development of the game, we were just really still trying to figure out the game. So if you look at that first idol, all it really was was immunity. So nobody can vote for you if you play it. And you play it before anybody votes. So good for you, you're safe, but there's no additional impact. The minute the tribe knows you play the idol, they just go to plan B and vote the next person out. So it was basically just another immunity necklace. And there wasn't any variable or any surprise. It's fascinating for me to hear in that description when you say it's season 11 and we're still early days figuring out the show. But like 11 seasons is so like most shows don't go 11 (laughs) seasons and don't know that there's a next season. You're right. It is. It's weird to even hear you say that. But it is a good example of how we modify and adapt because we didn't know if we were coming back next year or not. So we were just in the moment trying to figure out how to make it better. And what we did with that knowledge is in season 12, we went the other direction and we said, okay, the idol will now be guaranteed safety and you can play it after the vote. It was basically a super idol. So now there is a little additional impact. We made a little growth because the person who has the most votes can play it. And then the person with the next highest number of votes will go home. So that was good, but it was too much power. And the other problem is 
the audience already knows. They know that Jay has the super mm, idol. So right. if Jay gets the most votes, there's no dilemma. Of course, he's going to play it and be back in the game. And then Brittany, who had the next highest number of votes, is out. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Not great. I mean, it was great for me, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like you guys overcorrected. Overcorrected. We didn't know it at the time. Our breakthrough came, I think it was Survivor 14, when we realized this is what it is. The idol negates votes cast against you. And then we learned, okay, here was the magic dust. You play it after everyone has voted, but before I read the votes. So now there's a decision which may or may not impact the game. There's variable and surprise. You have a dilemma. Are people telling you the truth? Are you safe? Or did they just vote for you? So when you hear me say, if anybody has an idol and you want to play it, now would be the time to do so. You're leaning in going, dude, you got to play it. You got to play it. They're voting for you. It doesn't matter if the person plays it or not. It's the decision and the result is going to impact somebody. And it's the most impactful part of the game. Everybody gets out to the beach and the first thing they say is, man, I can't wait to find an idol. And we never would have known that back in season 11 when we threw one up in a tree. We were just experimenting. That's all we're ever doing. So when you're at home and you're watching something and you don't like it, you can be mad about it. That's totally fine. You could also just have a little reminder. They're just experimenting. They don't always get it right. The next big thing we noticed was we put the first advantage into the game. And I remember Danny bought it at an auction and then she used it at the challenge and she ended up winning the challenge as a result of the advantage. And that's when we all kind of looked around and went, okay, we're on to something. These things can work if we can figure out how to harness their power. Speaking of which, may the auction rest in the most peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Give me an idea. In fact, uh, uh, what is it? Survivor shout out at CBS.com. If you have an idea for the show, if you have an idea to how to resuscitate the auction, the, bring it to us. My issue with the auction is the minute we introduced advantages, people just sat on their money and they wait for the advantage. And now it's not interesting anymore. So that's where we're at. But we would love to bring the auction back. So mm -hmm. hit us up with ideas. I agree. I loved it. So looking ahead at our history, there was a big dormant period, which is kind of weird to look back on. Yeah. Actually, why was that? Such I a have no idea. Period? Honestly, I, again, Brittany, to your point, you don't know that we're coming back every year. We don't get right. renewed for a decade at a time. <laughs> you know? That'd be nice. So I have no idea why in 11, 12, and 14 we did this. And then they really didn't hit again really until season 30 is when they started right. to kick into gear. And what caused that change? Well, a lot of that is my influence. And I've been very vocal about the fact that I felt like you had to lean more into game design and we had to have some unexpected twists and some advantages that would give power to people because you wanted to create uncertainty. Because remember, look at the players back then. You had Rob and Parvati. You had some very smart people who were figuring out how to play this game. And my concern was if we aren't ahead of you, you're going to catch us and you're going to outgame the game and it will become very boring. Mm. And so what you saw, if you just look at a quick history and evolution, is you saw things like the extra vote came in. It's very powerful. It's still very powerful. It's the one single advantage that can change an entire tribal council. And then we had variations. We had block a vote and steal a vote. And at first glance, you may say, oh, they're, they're just these, you know, vote advantages, but they're very different. The extra vote is one vote is added into the game and it's played secretly. 
The block a vote is you're taking one vote out of the game, but it's it's played publicly. Mm. You're saying to somebody, "Hey, Brittany, I'm blocking your vote." Mm. Now it's now it's a little personal. Steal a vote makes it very personal. I'm not only taking your vote. I'm going to use it the way I want to. So there are three very different variations, and they and, were big advances at the time. Right, and they create three very different stories. They do, and and they ultimately are part of what leads to Survivor 44, where we now have fake idols in the game. I mean, that's all part of the same natural evolution, but it only comes if you are willing to push forward and take risks the same way we advise players to play the game. That's what we're doing. And as we just talked about, we get it wrong all the time. We just try to learn from it, modify and adapt. And also this season, we have the bank of vote. Another new variation. Right. And I think we can tease this. We have another uh -huh. variation coming this season on the vote. Ooh. Nothing more than that. Only saying that every season when we sit down to do it, we look at where we've been and we look at where we want to go and we decide, do we need to add something here? Should we throw another flavor in, another ingredient into the mix and see what happens? That's really all we're doing. And then we turn it over to the players and, and they evolve it. Yeah, like Russell Hance when he found that idol without a clue. Nobody had ever done that before. Yeah. I remember hearing the call on the radio, Hans found an idol, and I think I said, oh, so we found the clue. And they said, nope, didn't find the clue. And I remember <laughs> Russell, again, this sounds obvious, but Russell did something no one had done. He said, how many spots in this jungle can there be? Give me a number, 100. All right, I got time. So he just went and started looking. And at that point, they were a little more obvious, so he might have found it faster than he would today. But Russell Hance's approach to the game is now the Tony approach and every other player. That was Russell Hance. It wasn't us. And what about when Yao Man created that fake idol? You see that one coming? No. Another great example. We didn't have an idea anybody could even do a fake idol. What do you mean a fake idol? A fake idol? As in he's going to fake somebody out? That's brilliant. Yao Man's didn't necessarily work, but he had the idea. And then Ozzy came in and, you know, made one of the most historic worst fake idols in history, but it worked. It faked somebody out. That's all at the hands of the players. We got to bring back the stick. Well, <laughs> but you know, we kind of did. Right. This season gives you the tools right. of a fake idol. You can trace that origin back to Yao Man and Ozzy organic evolution. You don't know it at the time, but these are seeds that are going to blossom somewhere down the road. Right. And other than like looking at past scenarios, are there any other ways that you come up with advantages nowadays? Well, like I want to always say, I don't come up with all the ideas, so I can only speak to my process, but I wish there was a book you could open called Secret Advantages <laughs> to Use in an Unscripted Show. <laughs> but... Uh, I just do the same things we kind of talked about last week, only more specific, like I'll reverse engineer a result, meaning I will imagine a situation that I'd like to see happen and then figure out how to achieve it. Let's take um, you want a player to not be able to vote because that would cause a dilemma. So you say, OK, I can't vote. How do we get there? They had to risk their vote. How do you get there? 
Well, they have to play a risk versus reward game. Okay, what's the risk reward? Well, the risk is you could lose your vote. The reward is you could gain a vote. Okay, what's the game? So you just keep going down this. And before you know it, you're spinning marbles out in the, out in the beach and you've got a risk reward game. It sounds to me like you're in your office talking to yourself again. Maybe you need to call Elon Lee up and have a little chat. <laughs> Good old Elon Lee. I'll give you another one. Another way to do it. This is... Very basic storytelling. So if you're a storyteller, forgive me for rudimentary stuff. But a great way to start a story is to ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen to somebody? And how could it become the best thing? That's a great way to start a story. Or you can flip it. What's the best thing that happens to somebody? And how does it become the worst thing? That's where knowledge is power came from. Is I just started thinking about what would be the worst thing that could happen if you had a great alliance? And then it became, oh my God, what if everything you told your alliance partner they could use against you in the most personal way? And that's where knowledge is power is born. And what really made knowledge is power work is that it had to be specific. You can't just say, do you have an idol or an advantage? You have to know what they have. So in essence, it's a little bit like Go Fish, the game where you say, <laughs> do you have an eight? And they go, no, Go Fish. <laughs> the difference is, I know you have an eight because I looked in your hand, meaning you told me everything. And one of the things you see with knowledge is power is the mere possibility that it could be in the game will forever change the game. Because now when you trust somebody and tell them you have an idol, you could be killing yourself. What about the beware advantage? Where did that come from? That was a different process in that it was a name first. I had the name beware advantage. And I remember very clearly thinking the letters should be on the outside. They should be big and in red. It should say beware. If you take this, it's yours. I remember talking to Zach Jensen, who runs our art department, saying, don't be subtle, dude. When they see this, they need to think twice. Wait, wait. I need to go back a little bit. You... I didn't know this, that the name came before the actual idea of the advantage. Yeah. I didn't have any idea what it was when it, <laughs> when it became clear what it was, was when we realized that the key to the beware advantage is if you open it, it's yours. And once you open it, you must do what it says. And the key is there's a risk. You have to do something risky in order to earn the reward. And if you fail in your endeavor, there's a penalty. That's a big part of the new era, risk, reward, and penalty in every aspect of the game. Once we had that, then we knew we had something interesting. And beware advantages are now a part of the game. They're not going anywhere. It's almost like every advantage now is a beware advantage in the sense that it's mm. always risky. You're right. Well, you're right. It is. The, the entire game now is filled with trepidation and uncertainty of you know, what is it? What do I have to do? What happens if I fail? Is it even real? But a little nod to the players. And we'll talk about this more next week in our casting episode. But if you find an advantage, my feeling is you, you want to take it because you want the potential and it's only potential power, but you want that potential power in your hands and not your opponent's. But the big part of all of our ideas, whether it's idols or advantages or tribal council design or how we shoot something or the music, it comes from the team. I'm very aware that this podcast has my name in it and I'm talking a lot and I'm saying I, I don't want to be I, I want to be really clear. We're, we are a we. So whoever, like Quigley with the cage idea, he throws it into the hopper. It's a great idea. And then everybody contributes a little bit to it. Zach was the one who designed for the welder to build the cage. We all contribute. And I think the 
various points of view that we all bring in is what ultimately makes something work. Yeah. I did hear a story that the super idol came from Tyler Perry. Is that true? Yeah, I do get uh, friends will send me ideas. What's interesting about that one is, first of all, Tyler Perry is an idea machine. He, he will send texts that are so long and it's full of ideas. Uh, he's superhuman in that way. And he's a very cool human and he's been a good friend and he's had great ideas. The super idol, I got intoxicated <laughs> with the fact that Tyler Perry thought we should bring it back because he's a really smart guy. What I didn't realize is you already learned this lesson, dude. We just talked about it. It doesn't work. It's too much power. So even though it was a fun moment and Tony used it and went on to win the game, I would look back and go, that's another one that I got wrong. I'm the one who said we should put it into the game. And I'm not the one who said, wait a minute, we already did this two decades ago. It doesn't work. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon is another guy who, you know, there's nothing better than getting a late night email from Fallon going, this is probably crazy, but what if? In fact, it was... Fallon's idea for Rob and Sandra in Island of the Idols to be able to watch Tribal Council from a secret booth. That was such a big idea that Zach Jensen, who builds our Tribal Councils, designed Tribal from that viewpoint first to make sure there would be a spot where they could watch it without being seen. So that entire Tribal was designed around that one single idea. Well, you know, Jeff, there are a lot of people on the internet who don't like them. In fact, they say we should have a season with no idols and advantages. Mm. Yeah, we hear that all the time. What do you think, Brittany? No, I think that, I mean, there's two points. I feel like in the early seasons, the dominant alliance could control the yep. vote. And if we don't have anything in the game to switch it up, then there's no way of stopping that. And if you becomes... don't have anything to change up the game and you have seven versus six, they just take out the six. And then the seven become four versus three and the four take out the three. You have to create that uncertainty. That's what flips the game. Right. And then it just becomes boring if we don't have that. Let's just look at some great moments that all came from idols and advantages. Off the top of my head, you pipe in with any you remember. Parvati playing two idols, voted out JT, I think, with his own idol. Chris. Flip side, James was voted out in Survivor China with right. two idols. We had a tribal where Jeremy... And Kelly Wentworth both played idols for themselves and canceled all six votes. And Kimmy went home. And in fact, Kelly Wentworth used an idol and canceled, I think it was nine votes, the record, and voted right. out Savage. I'm just giving some examples that for all the people who say we, we don't need them, I think you would miss them. And we haven't even talked about the Game Changers tribal where Sari went home. Oh, can we just say, Sari was destined to never win Survivor, but she may be the most popular player of all time. Oh, she's the best. Well, the other thing was that that tribal was seven epic minutes of television. Well, it is a really good example of if, if you get a little bit of luck and you have a good game design combined with great players, you can get moments like that. So if you look at that season, it starts with the name, Survivor Game Changers. So you're telling the players out of the gate, this is how we see you. We see you as game changers, and then you give them ways to change the game. You give them idols and advantages, and you find yourself with that situation where there were six players left, four of them had idols, Brad Culpepper had won immunity, so he was safe, and Sari is the only person without protection, and as tribal unfolds, all four players play their idol Culpepper safe and there's nobody left but Cerise so there was no vote and Cerise voted out once again so close to the end the audience hated it 
because they loved Sari, but had it been a villain, had it been Culpepper, you know, maybe they would have loved it. But here's what's interesting. That moment didn't just happen accidentally. There was some intention behind it because the pitch I gave to the team for Game Changers was the poster for this season is the final scene of Reservoir Dogs with everybody pointing their guns at each other. So we designed it. With that in mind, we put the advantages in idols, hoping something like this would happen because we had game changers. We obviously never anticipated you would get that kind of a tribal council, but the point of view was there for it to happen. And I remember being at tribal council, realizing what was about to play out and being heartbroken for Sari, but thinking, whoa, this is the poster exactly as we imagined it. <laughs> Intentional point of view. That's the key ingredient. Well, we've now reached the part of the rundown where I have nothing in my document, <laughs> okay. so uh, hopefully you're, I'm in good hands here, Jeff. I have a couple of stories of failed advantages that we have never talked about. These are advantages that played on the show. They are in the episodes, but they were never discovered by any player, which means the audience doesn't know either. That's next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so here's what I prepare. They're not all advantages work. That's the headline. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples. What's fun about these is that nobody knows this. Not the player involved who missed it. Not the audience who also missed it. But uh -huh. these are in episodes. They're, they're in the show. They just never were discovered. Wow. Mike, is this making this, sense? Yeah, this okay. is great. So the first one is in season 42. We wanted to put the idle nullifier advantage into the game. And Matt Van Wagen, executive producer, my partner on the show, great guy, good dad, very good leader. <laughs> he had this idea for years, we should put an advantage inside a fish. And then when they opened the fish, I was like, oh man, really? It, it just seems messy and how are we going to cover it? He goes, no, no, it'll be great. The advantage is in the fish. <laughs> okay, so the way he tells it, he's pitched it for years. I really don't remember because my memory is gone. But for whatever reason, we did it this season. And so the tribe wins a reward and it's fish, exactly as Matt has it laid out. And they go back to their camp and now they're going to clean the fish and get them ready to eat. The problem is the guy who decided to clean the fish was Jonathan, big Jonathan, right. who could do anything. He's nonplussed by, by cleaning fish. He does this every day. He's the guy that's always out there catching the fish. So he's absentmindedly cleaning the fish and does not see in the fish is this little bamboo advantage that could change the game. And he literally cleaned the fish and threw the guts and the advantage in the Pacific Ocean where it is still floating somewhere oh, today. No. And if you go back and watch that episode, it's episode four, Paramount Plus. You can see all this. It's about 11 minutes in. You can see it happen. You can see him with the knife and it's right there. The audience didn't see it. Jonathan is hearing this right now. First time he's heard it as well. And Matt was crying a small tear as the advantage was headed out my to the idea. ocean. Jonathan ruined my idea. 
All right, let me give you one more. Ooh, um, okay. yeah. Millennials versus Gen X. The players don't know this either. It's the merge episode, oh, which I is... I think I know where you're going do with you? this. Yeah. Okay, we'll jump in. Okay. Okay, it's episode eight. It's about six minutes in, in season 33. They've merged, and we always give them a merge basket, and there's some paint supplies and a tribe flag. And when they open this basket, it said, congratulations, you have made the merge, which it wouldn't say today because you don't make the merge today. No, you do not. But underneath it was a very strange note, and I printed the note out because I think it's important for the context that you hear the note. This is in their merge basket. It says, most all initial liaisons begin relaxingly. In new groups, <laughs> societies always disclose very advantageous news to all. Gregarious, engaging, flirtatious, <laughs> indifferent, narcissistic, defensive, inauthentic. The facade is revealed starting today. Huh? Okay, exactly. We thought for sure that this note, which was so odd, would certainly spark some curiosity. And they probably just thought the producers were drunk when they made the note. <laughs> <laughs> and both could be true. <laughs> but yeah, the, nobody thought twice about it. Had they studied it for a minute, they might have discovered that the first letter of every word, a very fifth grade sort of puzzle to solve, <laughs> formed the following sentence. Mail brings advantage. Find it first. And they would have gone to tree mail and they would have found an advantage. So the reason I wanted to bring these up, two reasons. One, I thought it would be fun just to talk about something we've never talked about before. But bigger than that is if you're a future player, anytime you see anything like this, a note like this or anything slightly out of the ordinary, just take a moment and ask yourself, why is it in there? Because what we're trying to get across in this podcast is there is a why Behind what we do, there is an intention. And I think what would help most players is if you just understand that the game design, the idols, the advantages, the twists that we put in, that's the MacGuffin. The MacGuffin is the catalyst for what's going to happen, but it's not what the story is about. So on Survivor, the advantages and the twists are the catalyst, the MacGuffin. They're the framework that hangs above the game and the trees in the jungle, but it's what the player does with the game that matters. So like it or not, idols and advantages, I'm telling you, they are here to stay, but we hope that this has given you some insight into the how and the why behind them so that if you find yourself on the island and you see something in a tree, there really is only one move. Grab it and find a way to use it to your advantage. All right, Jay, let's get into some questions. What do you got? As a reminder, if you have a question for Jeff Preps, you can send it to us at survivorshoutout at cbs.com, and I will very carefully read those emails and perhaps read yours on the air. Here's the first one. A logic question for you. Why have eight jurors? What if there's a tie? That's from Ricky. It's a good question. And so we've played with the amount of jury members at various times for various reasons, but usually we hover between eight and nine. And the problem with nine with a final three is that you could have a tie to Ricky's point where it's three versus three versus three, and there's no way to break the tie. With a jury of eight in a final three, you could still have a tie. You could have three versus three versus two. You could even have four, four, and zero for the third person. But in either case, you're not deadlocked because there's one person who's on the bottom and has the least number of votes. 
that person now goes to the jury and becomes the final vote. And that happened, a situation like that happened with Dom and Wendell, where they were tied. Laura was the other final three member. She was the least amount of votes, so she went to the jury and cast the final deciding vote for Wendell. Right. All right, question number two. Hi, Jeff. I have a question, and I chose this one because it's on theme, guys, because I'm a big Hollywood producer. Would you ever consider (laughs) this advantage? One castaway would get to choose someone else's vote to look at before they cast theirs. This may influence how they vote themselves or could be used to see if someone wasn't being truthful Uh from Mike. Okay, Brittany, let's just do what we would do in a creative meeting. Okay. Um, All right, so somebody would throw this idea out. And then instead of what we never do is we don't say that wouldn't work. And that used to be an old way that our show worked and people would shut down ideas. We never say that because we know there might be something in there that does work. Like uh, Mike, he's onto something. This is an interesting idea. So the, so the goal is you want to check the vote of another player, which gives you information and could change the game. As we've discussed, those are two good things logistically. Yeah. The first thing we got to think about is how do we show that? Like how do we physically make it happen? And what you're saying is because the votes go in an urn and that urn is protected. Nobody can look in the urn to see who voted for the players that have come before them. Right. So, so you would have either, either somebody from production would have to pull that vote out. Gets kind of clunky. Gets a little clunky. But not not something we couldn't no, work not around. Not unsolvable. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So we have a logistical issue of how you would pull that off. Story wise, what's fun is it creates a great moment. Yeah. Truth. Are they telling me the truth? Or like to his point, you're finding out if your alliance member is being honest with you or if they're betraying you. Right. This I think. Is, yeah. I'm being genuine when I say I think it's worth putting on our whiteboard and figuring out if there's a clever way that you could pull this off and maybe it doesn't have to happen at tribal council. Maybe there's a different type of a twist, you know, where I don't know. It's interesting. I definitely think we, we bring this back to the team. Yeah. That's very good. Cool. Mike. Nice. Nice work, Jay. All right. Last question. Do dream teamers go on idle searches before the show starts to see if the hiding spots are good from Katie? That's a good question. There have been times, I can think of a time where we hid idols in coconuts and mm-hmm. they had a little piece of paint on them. And so I remember we took some dream teamers out on a beach and just said, just look around as though you were canvassing the beach for supplies for timber or bamboo and to see how long it would take them to realize, wait a minute, there's a you know purple paint on that. So we've done that. But for the most part, I don't think this is giving anything away, Brittany. No. Okay. Jimmy Quigley, who we talked about, Uh, Last week, one of our Hall of Fame producers, he hides the idols in in the jungles. He just knows how to do it. I don't even, I don't know what his process. It it has become an art form, but it's just that simple. Jimmy Quigley, blame him when you can't find (laughs) one in the jungle. (laughs) All right. My favorite part of the show where one fan gets to tell me, fan, (laughs) that's funny, (laughs) where one lucky person, lucky, I don't even know if that's right, where one person gets to tell me why I suck. This is why you suck! All right, here we go. You ready for this, Jeff? I'm always ready. Okay. Jeff Probst was okay in the beginning, but has quickly become the worst part of Survivor. Every time he talks, it's a bunch (laughs) of random cliches mixed with forced inspirational moments. On top of that, oh, I'm, there's more. I'm not, yeah, I'm not done yet. <laughs> On top of that, he's the showrunner and is making ridiculous choices like knowledge is power. Oh, okay. Well, 
All right, let me start at the top. Do, and is this anonymous? I'm guessing it's anonymous, so I can't find them. I kept it. I kept it anonymous <laughs> okay. for his sake. But no, this is a good one because they're hitting at some things that hurt. Um, I'll, I'll address them in order. Let's go back. Okay, I'm the worst part of the show. I will accept that with one tweak. Worst part implies that lots of parts of Survivor are bad, and I clearly don't agree. I think the format is great. The players are ridiculously entertaining. Our storytelling, I'm going to say it, really well-crafted. Challenges are epic and pretty to look at, and the buffs are cool. So <laughs> if I'm the worst part, I can accept that, and I will honor the spirit of the note that I have become intolerable. The random cliches, also not wrong. You know, I was reading comics and dreaming of being a pro baseball player. I should have read more literature. I can't argue with that either. And here's the thing. I'm aware of that too. When I'm out there, like, God, this is the best I have right now, but I, it's all I got. <laughs> but I will say on the forced inspirational moments, I completely get that they seem forced, but I'm going to tell you they are genuine. I, despite what you might think, I'm very corny. I cry easily. I'm glass half full. I root for people. I'm a parent and I'm invested in these players. So in these moments, when I think something beautiful has happened, it's real. I'm feeling for them. Plus we got a dog and somehow that changed me in a lot of ways. <laughs> and the last one is that I'm a terrible showrunner. I get it. I make bad choices. In fact, we need to do an episode on controversial ideas so that we can explore all the things that people hate, like Final Four and Edge of Extinction and all the other dumb things we've done. Great idea. But I'm going to take exception right here. Knowledge is power. That's where this argument starts to take on some water because knowledge is power is not a questionable advantage. I do not agree. I object. Sustain. <laughs> knowledge is power is pure beauty it's mag <laughs> it's magnificent i mean we're only three seasons in and it's already led to some truly great moments if i was going to get a survivor tattoo i think it would be the letters k-i-p on my butt all right next week on on fire with jeff probst we're going to go inside the world of casting what type of person are we looking for and how do we ensure that we're finding them? It's the single most important decision of any season. We'll take a deep dive. Thanks for listening. And if you would love it, if you would rate and review this podcast, I'm learning about this world. And that is how these things are rated and promoted. So we'd appreciate it. And don't forget brand new episode of Survivor next Wednesday, 8 p.m. 7 central on CBS and Paramount Plus. See you next week. CBS Sunday, after The Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.